installment of the yummy coco show this is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches music interviews and games i'm your host yummy coco aka colette prosper i am a comedy writer and filmmaker on this show we talk about everything from what happened this week anyway uh lots of things tucker carlson wants people to tan their balls and then what else? I don't know. I was on a podcast this week. So check out Screenwriters Rant Room. Uh, I was interviewed by one of my podcasting heroes, Hilliard Guest. It was pretty cool. So I was on along with Shireen and Jasmine, who were all past guests on this show. So we were all on talking about being emerging writers. It was really awesome. Uh, it's definitely something that I've had in my mental vision board. So it was really cool to be a part of it. And it really, um, like, you know, when people suffer from imposter syndrome like me, and, and you'll meet later Fletch Power, who also battles with that, even though very talented cinematographer, you'll learn more about cinematography. But we all go through the feeling of like, should I really be here? And so it's funny talking about the craft of screenwriting and writing when um, you still you still might uh, grapple with that. I'm not talking about the other guests, but just myself, like, you know, am I really in this? Am I really doing this? And I guess I am. And somebody invited me on to talk and I talked and I said some things. I said some some silly things and I, I, I think I, I sounded coherent. So just check it out. Let me know what you think. In the meantime, if you like this show, please give it five stars. It helps people to find the show. Uh, so later in the in the show, we're going to be talking to Fletch Power, originally from Florida, now in L.A., killing it. Um, he is a cinematographer and that's basically somebody who shoots for the director. So like the director calls the shots, tells the actors what to do, determines how a scene is going to look, but they work with the cinematographer who then films it all and makes that vision a reality. So it's a very crucial role. And so I'm going to talk to him about it. I met him through Quincy Cho, another past guest, a great writer, so if you want to check out Quincy's previous interview, you can go back in the uh, in the archives, in the Yummy Coco archives. In the meantime, here's a sketch. It's a replay of an inventing Anna meets uh, Putin Ukraine <laughs> sketch. Check it out. Let me know what you think. You can DM me anytime at Yummy Coco on Instagram. I'll talk to you, you know, whatever. I'm I'm. I'm open. I'm an open person. Uh, and uh, yeah, so check it out. Talk to you soon. Sketch. Sketch. 
convicted con artist Anna Delvey interviews a new recruit. Hmm, yummy kaka. Now that I am out of prison and now in an ICE prison awaiting deportation, I see you want to join my revamped VIP group at the AF. Oh, um, um, yeah, uh, uh, first, thank you for meeting with me, Anna Delvey. I'm a huge fan of your Netflix show. I'm really looking to get staffed on a TV show and I need more contacts. Okay. I know Shonda. She made my show. And you know, I was one of Josh Safdie's muses in Uncut Jams. Uh, yeah, Uncut Jams. You and Julia Fox, so cool. Okay, what will you do for me? Anna, I'm visiting you in an ice facility. I'll, I'll do anything to get a staffing job on a comedy show. Okay, I like that. You you look ambitious. You don't look broke ass. Okay, I might help you join my VIP club, but I want you to help me. Okay, what? You need to get Putin to get me out of ice facility and then you can tell him to like stop war in Ukraine or whatever after. Oh, I, I don't know. I, yeah. Why? Like it's hard? Well, first up, I'm not an expert in foreign relations. That's a shit excuse. People do foreign relations every day. You're not special. I could do if I wanted, but if I wasn't in a ice detention. So you do, okay? Okay. I'll I'll do it. Uh can I just like text him? Nah. He's probably really busy right now. No, 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 no. You get on the phone. This is my life, yummy coco. Okay. You call him and you tell him to get me out or my father will kick his um, ass. Okay, so you want me to tell Vladimir Putin that he needs to get you, Anna Delvey, out of ice jail or your father will beat his ass. Uh, yeah, you tell him that. Okay, I guess that would freak him out. You know who my father is? Scarier than Putin? Hell yeah. Whoa. And then you'll get me a job on a TV show? Like Bridgerton or something? Don't you know how VIP works? I told you yes. It's not hard. That's not an issue for me. I just call Shonda after, after you do this. Okay. I do some due diligence too, of course. You know, there's so many con orders out there. Okay, okay. I'm really desperate. Huh. Yeah, you are. How hard could it be anyway? I mean, maybe he'll, he'll even listen. He'll like listening to the voice of an awkward black female podcaster yeah sure you're not too black maybe black more black than wildest dreams video by taylor swift thanks so let's go take out your phone let's do this okay so 
he won't like hang up in my face you think right nah maybe he'll think you're you sound smart like me i doubt it but you can dream thanks for that vote of confidence really boosts my spirit Ugh, whatever i'm bored i have another meeting with screenwriter to get me some uh, crypto so get out sure. of here go, 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 go. okay go. I'll, I'll just google Putin's phone number and call him urging him for your release or my father yes or your father will yes yes beat, beat his, ass. his ass yeah yeah Putin won't mind me saying that <laughs> oh okay enough enough okay okay you're good now thanks go, go now now okay bye and that's why putin has not backed down on his war on ukraine Awesome. So let's get into my talk with cinematographer Fletch Power. Hey, Fletch. How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> Welcome. Uh, this is amazing. I'm going to read part of your bio right now. So Fletch Power, hailing from West Orlando, Florida, is an LA-based cinematographer, film photographer, and the recipient of the 2021 American Society of Cinematographers Masterclass Scholarship. He's captured the likes of Dave Chappelle, Sway Lee, and has worked on projects for North Face, iHeartRadio, and live action entertainment. And you are joining this podcast for the first time. Thank you so much for being here. Woo. Can I ask you an icebreaker? Uh, sure thing. Okay, so if you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Um, I see you with a bucket hat right now. Oh yeah, well bucket bucket hats are are in. This might be a little uh, controversial. Like I was talking to my barber uh -oh. about it. Yeah, so if it's too controversial, you can let me know. But uh -oh. I'll say like uh, I've been kind of recently rocking the mustache. Like I usually have a full beard, but now I've been doing like the mustache. So I was talking to my barber, uh -huh. and we were like just joking. He was like. Oh yeah, what if you did the uh, toothbrush, toothbrush mustache, which is, you know, the Charlie Chaplin mustache or whatever. I was like, I feel like I could rock it. One, because, you know. Wait, toothbrush meaning like. It's like the Charlie the Chaplin Hitler. or the, right. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like he, he messed it up. But if you really He go, totally messed it it's up. It's not a bad look, you know? So that's why I said Charlie Chaplin. So <laughs> we're going to keep it related to film. <laughs> But I feel like I wouldn't get rebranding. Right, I wouldn't get in trouble for it because you know I'm, I'm I'm black. People know I'm not like you know a Nazi or anything. They know you're not a Nazi. Yeah. I feel like that's 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 good enough. <laughs> yeah, although I like I like how it it you have the you know the traditional just you know full lip one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it would be hard to maintain. It would be hard to maintain that like square, and then you'd have to always always shave down the sides. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, that's a lot of maintenance. The thing about it is like my middle gap is missing, so I have still some 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 more growth to do before I can even you know achieve that status. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like um like in the nineties there was that like spray hair in a can oh, yeah. like if you had a bald spot you just, take a spray yeah, and just spray yeah. they they did it in uh in the movie jackass uh i think like um the recent one uh what's his face johnny knoxville mm. had a bald spot and so someone jokingly <laughs> went over to him i think it was spike jones oh, with like nice, hair nice, in a can nice. and then was like trying to spray his so you you would need that for that little yeah, just gap like, just like a little just, that's it that's it that's yeah all I need. Just like a, yeah 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 so if I try, yeah, but I don't you know. know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but all that maintenance for for that little like square yeah. stash, but I don't even, know. Because usually, know. like like I said, this is my first time doing the mustache, and even this is like a lot uh-huh. of maintenance because you know I just usually let it grow. Yes. And but you know, try something new. This is like my you know commercial look, you know, clean, okay, my gap commercial look type of deal. Nice, <laughs> nice, all American, all American. There you go, there you go. Cool. <laughs> Cool. Okay. So this is amazing. We have a mutual friend, uh, past guest, Quincy Cho. Quincy Cho. Um, I think you worked together on a Sprite commercial. This is true. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and then you also have a great name. How all this. So we're talking about mustaches, mm-hmm. all American. <laughs> you, you have this amazing origin story of your name. Can you tell the people about your, your origin story, uh, your name? Sure, sure. Well, I'll say something first about Quincy Cho. Um, She's, yes. she's, she's dope. Uh, linked up with her. Yes. Um, she's the one who actually has written my bio and my um, uh, probably like my IMDb. Um, mm-hmm. you know a lot of my stuff. So I've always oh wow. And she acts as well, so she's always a, a great person to have in the room anytime. So just want to say yeah, that great us. actor, writer, writer um, actor. just all around super super nice person. Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually was the one that uh, was telling us about you oh, on right. our Slack. Oh, wow. Uh, we were all part of the same mentoring group. And she people were looking for cinematographers. And you were the first person that she recommended. Oh, nice. That's always, just always mm-hmm. means a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So Fletch Power, how did that come about? Um, How did that come about? Uh, so... Because I don't know my original name. I think I told you this uh, before. My original yes. name is Joshua Fletcher. Um, yes. And I felt like when I was in high school, there were probably maybe like six or seven other Joshuas. And, uh-huh. you know, the crazy thing about it, they were it's like- a popular it's a name. popular name, especially in the 90s. Like, I think it was yeah. like a 90s baby name, you know? So, yes, so yeah. many Joshua's. And then, like, one of my best friends. It fits around Easter time, too. It's very biblical. Yep, yep. Biblical. Uh-huh. Yep. All the same mamas and everything. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good Christian name. But, all American. Yeah, oh. There we go. All American. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. But somehow, like, because my boy, one of my good friends, his name was Joshua, you know, F. His name was Foster. Uh-huh. And I was Fletcher. Uh-huh. So we were just like, all right, like, we'll just, just call last name Fletcher. And, yeah. you know, everybody just started calling me Fledge. And then, you know, even my family, like my uncles and my pops, like people call them Fledge because it's a bunch of brothers. And uh-huh. somewhere, I want to say like right when I was getting ready to start this whole journey, 
one of my best friends, we were just sitting and joking. He was like, oh, Fletch, you got the power. You know what I mean? And then he was like, Fletch power. And I was like, Fletch power, that sounds amazing. And then like it's like at the end of it's like at the end of juice when they told oh, Omar Epps, you got the juice yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So honestly, it just always like kind of gives me a little motivation um every time I say it. And Flesh Power is like who I want to be, you know? That's kind of how I uh -huh. see it. <laughs> the Fletch Fletch Power is who you want to yeah, be. Yeah, that's like, you know, you know, me as like cinematographer. You know, Joshua Fletcher was me like trying to work up to who Fletch Power is. I don't know. That's just kind of how I see it. <laughs> yeah, so it's almost like like Leroy. Now I'm using another reference, mm -hmm. Leroy in The Last Dragon. Mm -hmm. That was his his goal was to be the Last Dragon, mm -hmm. the ultimate. So that that's 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 the real power for you. So when when do you think you would feel like you've come into your Fletch Powerness? Um, honestly, like I'm working on, you know. Like, is there a timeline? I don't think it's like a actual like chronological timeline. It's more of like a feeling, and I'm trying to work on uh -huh. you know, you know, being happy, feeling happy, and not being happy because somebody gave you something to be happy for. Because mm -hmm. once that's mm -hmm. gone, or once that time passes, then if you weren't happy before, you're not happy. So yeah, one of my goals is just really to you know work on enoughness now. Um, but I feel like, you know, the flesh fire thing is like, it gives me something to uh, like look forward to, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like once I, when I know, I, I would know, like it's sometimes like, you know, when it's all in alignment and I feel it and I'm like, ah, the power, you know, but then, yeah. you know, and I think that's kind of how everybody's trajectory is. Do you, do you feel like you're kind of, I mean, you have talent, you have skills, or do you, but do you feel like you're kind of faking it till you make it kind of feel? Oh, for sure. Feeling? I've, done that my whole life. And I know some people will take that as like a, you know, an L, um, but I'm like, you know, as long as you fake it and then you learn the lesson and then you like, you know, move on from there, you know, keep, you know, but, you know, I've, I've always been about failing up. I've never had an issue with, you know, I'm not saying I always want to fail in front of people, but I've never had an issue with like, you know, Failing, because one thing I've realized, a lot of people, I know this might be a little tangent, and this might hit another question later. Um, yeah. I don't know, a lot of people just don't like to fail. And it's like, how do you, how have you learned? Like, <laughs> failure. It, you gotta just do gotta it. it. You know? So I'll save it though. But yeah, hopefully I answer that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, so then, um, so when you came to Hollywood, were you already... Fletch going by Fletch Power. Um, like I had the name. I think the first place I really made it known was, which is so funny that this is how I'm dating it, was Facebook. Um, so I know okay. like Facebook. There was a time where you had to have like a nickname, and then they change it over to where you have to have real names. And I had it yeah. like right before then. But people still call me, you know, Josh and Fletch, and nobody really calls me Fletch Power. Like people just uh -huh. kind of call me Josh. But yeah, I think you know when I was like, oh, you know, moved to LA, kind of chased this dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's just kind of it was like 
it was able to like I was able to like jump into like another vibe. Like I know I'm not there yet, but maybe if I ride, you know, like power train, I could get there. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I mean, this is this is like it's like a suit of armor right. or something. Yes. Yes. So I grew up. I mean, I'm a TV writer. I grew up watching loads of TV. What about you? Like, have you always been a film fan? Do you want to work in TV? Like, um, filming TV? Like, what? 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 Or have your been, What's been your interests? And then, what do you want to use with your skills? Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing about it, like, I've always felt, especially like, you know, once I went to film school and then coming to LA, like, I always felt like an outsider from like film mm-hmm. um, because I didn't get into film because I loved movies. Like I kind of got into film because I wanted to figure out how they were doing, like, like what was the magic on the other side of the camera? That's yeah. what more kind of got my brain working the mechanics mechanics, like I know this is what y'all are showing me but what else is there going on it was just kind of like yeah the more the mechanics on what was behind it because I know I've always like even just like watching magic because I see I always felt film was like magic it was like Mm -hmm. you know the magician is doing something like that's cool but how'd you do it like that's what I want to know you know yeah and then from so Uh-huh. Yeah, you go on, go on. No, but from there, when I, I more, like, would say, like, I started, like, you know, because I grew up Caribbean, and mm-hmm. we weren't, like, I grew up, you know, it was either God, you know, church, gospel, or, like, soca, reggae, you know, and that type of stuff. Um, So I had to uh-huh. actually go out and, like, for myself, and luckily, you know, school yeah. and friends and and find stuff that people were just getting like to live like in their house. Um, mm-hmm. Then like, I always like felt removed from it, but now I'm actually like being like, oh, that's an advantage. It's an advantage that of, of where you came from. Yeah. It's, it's taught you to, to do what you do now. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. How? Like, I remember going to film school and I remember everybody was like, oh, I wanted to get a, 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 a film in the festival at that time. And, you know, that wasn't my goal uh-huh. at that time. But when I got there, I was like, oh, shit, I need to have something in the film festival. But I was like, is that really my goal? Is that like everybody else's goal? My goal was just to, you know, put my images on screen, you know? Yeah. And now with just how everything is and my just trajectory is like, you know, I've been, this is my ninth year in LA and I'm literally trying to get back to how I was my first year out here. <laughs> Cause yeah, just kind of, um, simple, like very, uh, just very uh, specific goals maybe, huh? Simple and just like, cause there's something about when you're, when you're, you don't know any better, you just kind of like yeah. go balls to the wall. Um, and when I, how I kind of got out here um was I remember being in when I went to film school I was in class and this guy came to the class he just came from LA and at that time I was like so anti-LA I was like ah, I, thought I, was, I don't want to be out there with all those fake LA people blah 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 didn't know anything about LA yeah. um and this dude came he was like hey if you want to work in the camera team like this is kind of what I heard he said a whole thing but it was like if you want to work on the camera team 
work for a camera rental house in LA. And I was like, wow, that, that sounds pretty, you know, logical. So literally like that day, like I called top two camera rental houses, which was Airy and Panavision. Airy yeah. was an automated, you know, talk to an operator, like it wasn't a real person. Panavision actually spoke with a real person. And to this day, Marcia Bryant is like still an amazing friend. And, you know, it was just like that instant connection. And we talked, we chatted up. Yeah. And, you know, even though like I didn't get the job then, I didn't get the job like a year later, like eventually, like, you know, I was like, they knew me, they saw me, and then I eventually got a job and that kind of like started my at Panavision. And Panavision is a, a classic uh like Hollywood staple, staple company. Yeah. Yeah. Of camera equipment. Yep, 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 yep. Top tier camera equipment, like when I was there. Uh-huh um the star wars films just started so we were able you know i had the millennium falcon which was one of the film cameras that they shot on like we did that wow. uh fast you know fast and fair. like it was just like terminated like wow. we were seeing some of like you know i think i was there for a good like three four years and just you know just eye-opening and then i, I did so much traveling with them as a tech and i was on set and you know it was just a great way to kind of be in the field and still kind of like learning you know so you were on set for movies like terminator and um fast and furious well i didn't go on set for those i was on set for i did sicario Uh, i went to new mexico for sicario um Uh we did i did um what we do in the shadows um yep 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 amazing amazing Uh amazing amazing dude director and everything did you get a chance to talk to him and that's the thing like you know i was still kind of like you know you were still joshua fletcher in your mind you were in fletch power in your mind i really didn't have a reason to talk to him yeah i'm not just gonna be like Hey, you know, like yeah, and yeah. there he's a director. He's in his own mindset. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to, yeah, yeah. There's a hierarchy. Okay, right. So you know, like just kind of you, because uh, at that time I was training other DITs. Um, mm-hmm. What's that mean? Uh, digital uh, intermittent transmission. DIT is a position. So. Okay. Um, after once everything is shot, you know how everything is digital now. There's has there's somebody who's digitizing it and who's transferring it, yeah. and then it goes yeah. to like the post house or dailies, and all these places. Mm-hmm. But it's that little gap. And at this time, um, we were creating because they were trying to optimize, um, the speeds and everything. So we we just created like a platform on set. So we were doing like on set deliverables, which was like wow managing media on set um so at that point like i was able to sit in the room with like colorists and wow. deep you know so i was just just soaking it all up and i feel like that's come it came into play a lot of times now that i'm on my own that's amazing okay so let's talk cinematography because you were saying a lot of stuff <laughs> colorists are, are very that's very important too especially like in black films because um i find that um like it's not easy to find a good colorist um, because then you you need someone that can match whatever is filmed with the with what the person actually looks like. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really uh, that's not an easy find 
it's also not an easy find to find like a black cinematographer, which is really amazing uh, what you do. Um, I'm reminded of uh, Roger Deakins when you were talking about how you kind of like you wanted to know the mechanics of it. It wasn't so much like you love movies, but it wasn't so much like a love of movies. It was more like, you know, I wanted to understand it because like Roger Deakins, he's worked with, he's a cinematographer or a director of photography who's worked for Coen Brothers, um, Christopher Nolan, all these like great people says that he found cinematography via a series of non-decisions, mm-hmm. friends, suggestions, mm-hmm. and that basically led him to becoming, um, to become, you know, a DP and he's won Oscars and whatever. So um, can you talk about like what cinematography is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a crucial skill to have on set. And then can you talk about like your first DP job and how you got it? Okay. DP meaning also, it's also known as cinematography. Once again, I was saying like when I first started this, I didn't know what a cinematographer was at that time, what, like 10 years ago, Nobody wanted to be a cinematographer. There was no really word of a cinematographer. Um, I went yeah. to film school looking to be a director, or that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And while in film school, I was like, oh, wait, what? Because before film school, like I was shooting, like I had my camera and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I thought the director did all that stuff. And then I, fe- I realized yeah. like, oh, wait, there's a different position for a director and a cinematographer. And how I've always seen... A cinematographer is like the director is dealing with talent and emotions. Yeah. And the cinematographer mm-hmm. is just dealing with, you know, it's more of like ones and zeros, like cables and plug-in. And you know, it's like sometimes like it's easier to just to deal with like a computer and a camera than it's to deal with a person, you know? And like because yeah. you know, like if I if I hit this button on the camera, it's gonna give me what I want hit this button on the person, you might get hit back, you know? So. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So like a director, yeah. Director works with the actors. They also block the scenes. They, they, they think up the scene. Okay. I want this bird's eye view of, um, Adam Scott leaving in office, Mm -hmm. like in the show severance. So like, you you as a cinematographer you're the one that does that bird's eye view shot mm-hmm. bird's eye view meaning like your, your camera angle. is yep, yep, uh, yep. high at the high angle from someone down below mm-hmm. yeah so um so there is so you know you yeah you're you're filming but the director does um call the shots uh so to speak like they 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 say i want this i want that i want i want bird's eye view i want a, a medium shot of this and then you have to determine whether or not it can work, and then you have to you have to help them yeah. fulfill their vision. That's uh once again, um, you know, I'm literally just starting out on my actual professional career. Like I've been yeah. freelancing, and I would say just within the past, like you know, two years, year and a half, like it's been actually, I would say it's a career. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been a little bit of everything. Like you know, film is never like they taught us, or never it is. You know, sometimes like in an ideal world, ideal world, the director mm-hmm. does know exactly what they want and how to achieve it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times they don't, and I see that as a yes. great place for <laughs> me to you know, cut. and that's what you're, that's what you're bringing me on for, like. You yeah. know, if a director knew exactly what, he, then he probably would be the, the DP, and you know, then he would have somebody else. To, you know, but a lot of times, like yeah. a lot of people, they they 
think they know what they want, but then it's just like writing, you know, it's like writing a story. Like there, a punctuation has to go here. Like, yeah, this is where the sentence ends. So for it to read like a story, like there's certain images and certain ways of shooting it to, you know, cause that's where film, that's where the film language comes in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of people who direct and write don't necessarily know about camera angles. Like I, I worked, um, I did a, a music video. I directed a music video. I worked really closely with a cinematographer um, I never made a shot list before. Like she was like, "Oh, what's your shot yeah. list?" I'm like, "Shot list." Yeah. I'm like, "Here's the script. I wrote yeah. it." And she's like, "No, I need to know yeah. what you want." And I was like, "Oh." So it was a crash course for me like in camera angles. And there's one moment where I wanted to pull back, kind of like, almost like Spike Lee, but Spike Lee uses a dolly, mm-hmm. like you know, or or even like uh Richard uh Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. I um uses like he used for um i think el mariachi used like a wheelchair or something Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. to to, so he could pan back on a scene uh so like we didn't do it she was open to it she did it um but it came out very shaky but i think it worked because of what i wanted but still like the guy who's editing was like no this looks fucked up (laughs) i'm not i'll do i'll put this much in there of of that moment and i was like okay fine so like um you know, she was open to my ideas, which I really appreciated. What sort of projects do you typically work on? What are like the personal red flags where you're just like, that's not going to work? And, and you know, do you walk away from projects like that? Or do you, um, I, I know you're just starting out, like, so you want to get as much experience as possible. Like, are you able to communicate your feelings and say, I don't think that this particular angle is going to work? Mm-hmm. Mr. Director, Mr. 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 Director. Mr. Mrs. Director person. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, honestly. So like, like I said, I've technically been doing this for nine years shooting. Yeah. I just say the past two years I've been, it's something worth showing, you know? So I got a lot yeah. of fails and a lot of practicing. I got a lot of lost money from clients blah 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 which is which is amazing because now i can smell bullshit from a mile away um Uh and that being said um some of my red flags are so first any job and then this is depending like that's the thing like the past few years i've been kind of trying to remove myself from getting the jobs and more jobs been kind of coming towards me so then like Mm -hmm. more job comes Mm -hmm. it's like this is what we have this is the budget, this is the, you know, versus like when I first started, which, you know, is the difficult part because then you're trying to figure out how much, what you're worth and all this stuff. But yeah, when I first started, like my first thing I would ask is, do you have a treatment? Like, mm-hmm. is there a script or is there a treatment? Cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. No. Then I was kind of like already like, eh. So I would, we can work on a treatment together, but that's going to be an extra charge. Like, yeah. that's just that. Um, second, you'll collaborate on stories. Yeah. Like I, um, the thing I noticed about, like, I'm not like, you know, the best at creating a story, but if I have a story, I'm good at aligning with the story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like, Cause you know, you know, filmically how it would work. Right. So if you just give me the scene, then I'm like, oh, cool. Boom, boom, boom. This is 
yeah, this is what we can put it together to get you to the next scene, the transitions, the, you know, mm -hmm. the movement, the camera movement. Um, and like I said, like, you know, and I feel like it's been a blessing that I haven't had great budgets, budgets all the time. Like it's been, mm -hmm. you know, creativity and ingenuity and like figuring, figuring this stuff out on the go. But like I said, so mm -hmm. no treatment, storyboards are, uh, you know, that one's a little tougher. I understand some people don't know how to, you know, whatever. But what I like doing is kind of creating my own storyboards. If you don't have storyboards and it gives me a chance to like, really like put my vision on it. Um, but a and storyboard, storyboard means like you actually like will draw out, like Tim Burton, I think does this, mm. like you actually draw what the scene will look like. Yeah. And once again, I'm not an artist. I'm like, yeah, my drawings aren't going to be in some memoir. Figures. Book. Yeah. But it's, all <laughs> it is, is just, it's more of like, you know, you get in a location, it has two windows and the couch is here and the TV is here. And it's just kind of like just yeah. drawing the scene and just being like, this is where the character is, this is where the camera will be, this is where lights will be, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But my biggest red ticket one starting out was if you call me asking me like, hey, I wanted to do a music video or blah, blah, blah. Versus it depends if it was a passion project where I'm involved yeah. in it because I love the story so much. But if I was like, what's the budget? and you got mm -hmm. cold feet and you started backing up, then I'm just kind of like, mm. like it's one thing, like just tell me if there's no budget, there's no budget. Just, but when, when you don't know how to like talk about the real part of it, cause it's the film business, like it's still business at the end of the yeah. day, then that's when I'm kind of like, okay, I've been down this path before and I've been burned and you know, I'm not, I'm not going down that path no more. So, yeah, it's tricky because with, with, uh, money you want, you know, you want the best work, but then you don't know how much you have, but then you want to start to assemble people to work on a project, but then you, you still don't know how much money you have, but like, there's the hope that like, you'll get it somehow. So then you start talking to people and they're like, well, what's your budget? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. I have any money, but like, but then, so then that, that leads that person, that creative person, like say the writer or whatever to, to say, well, okay, well, what's your rate? So there's like this back and forth. Wow. What's your rate? And they'll say, okay, but what's your budget? Cause like, I guess it's like, you could, you know, one could say, you know, $1,500 as, as your rate. But then if, if the budget is a, a $1 million movie, you know, you, you'd want to get a little bit more than $1,500. So, so there, but, but when it's a low budget movie, most likely it's probably like between two to $10,000 mm. that the person has to spend to make the movie, but they don't know exactly how much they have. So, so it's just like this back and forth. No, it's it really is. hard. It, it is. It is. And honestly, that's like the most sticky and the ugliest part of the process is figuring out the rate, the budget. And then, cause like once that is done, then all like the creativity and all the fun can happen. But it's like, yeah. it's always a sticky part getting to maneuver around that. And I've, once again, like, I'm glad, like I've been at this for so long. Like even, you know, being in like, like college, like shooting music videos for people. And, yeah, you know, this person said they were gonna pay me $200 and 
I gave him the footage and I didn't get my money back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh God. Yeah, but honestly, <laughs> I'm so happy that it happened with two hundred dollars and not two hundred thousand. You know what I mean? Something like exactly. So it's like I've learned. Uh, I feel like I've learned a lot of those those hiccup mm-hmm. lessons that you know you 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 gotta learn. That has nothing to do with cinematography. It's more about just yeah person to person people. You know. Right. Okay. So, you know, again, like with cinematography, like telling a story on film, it's not just about writing or recording the action. You know, it's about how the images are captured, which is why cinematographers are so important. A cinematographer um, sets and supports the overall look and mood of a, a film's visual narrative. So like, are there cinematographers that have inspired you there's so many there's i mentioned juice earlier directed by ernest dickinson ernest dickerson who you know worked with spike lee and then eventually he directed juice so like are there influences uh there are people that that have influenced you yeah um tons of people and it was funny because i was thinking about you know who influenced me and you know, it's like when you listen, and I know I'm going on so many tangents, but when I listen to so many interviews, like I've always been like, dang, like they got so much stuff from this person, blah, blah, blah. But like my cinematography is not really, like once again, like obviously, you know, you have your grades like um, Ernest Dickerson, um, yeah. um, Bradford Young. Um, but I, I'm just like at the spot right now where I'm like, I'm just like trying to pull inspiration from everywhere. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be cinematography. You don't have to be making a movie. Like I'm pulling inspiration from Frederick Douglass. Like I just like finished his autobiography. <laughs> yeah, and this book wow. was prolific. Like his story yeah. of being like he wrote. He was the first like free slave or runaway slave to be like, "This is my story. Go read it." Like he was like the first yeah. black celebrity. You know what I mean? And he was dealing with being the first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, my, my, um, I have all these like notes, um, like inspirational notes. And then my, my son gives me all these like drawings and stuff. He wrote something in second grade about, um, Frederick Douglass and I have it on my wall. It's, um, it, he just wrote like he was born in, uh, 1818 in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, when Frederick Douglass was 20, he escaped on a train yeah. to New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he made a, he made a book about himself. <laughs> he talked to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, like yeah. he just wrote that. Yeah, that is all I, I put that, I put that on my wall. <laughs> that's all true. And in, in his book, he says, it was like, I was a slave. And now I'm talking to yeah. one of the, like Abraham Lincoln, the, the most important person in the United States. And he's yeah. asking me, like, how do I feel about the state of the union? Like, you know what I mean? Right, uh, right. And so that's where, like I said, and I, I had a long time struggling with it, but like, I really didn't grow up like glued to the TV, like watching like Back mm-hmm. to the Future, all these things. Like I went, I went back and watched them. So I had to get like my inspiration from other places. And yeah. Were you like in the church? You were saying like your, your family? And we just uh-huh. didn't really like, until I was like a little bit, oh, like we, you know, TV wasn't like, you know, we didn't even have cable, and then we got cable, and then it was like, you know, like I would say the internet was more of a bigger thing for me than kind of like TV. 
but I always yeah, remember. My- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, just just um, just funny. My my friend Alexis, when I would talk to her about uh, stuff like uh, pop culture things from like the the nineties, and she'd be like, "I was outside. Yeah, I was playing outside. Right, and, that and I was like, too. okay, fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was inside, kids. So that part so too. I was, I was, I was outside. But you, you were outside. I was outside, outside there. I was a school <laughs> kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know. Once again, I, I was big on I was big on cartoons. Like I knew cartoons, and I'm just like mm-hmm. just now I feel like being around like there's so many like film like cinephile buffs, and I'm just like, yeah, who was that again? Like on IMDb, like looking it up, I'm like oh yeah, yeah, I didn't see that. I just and then I'm like, all right, I'm not good at that game. I'm not gonna play that game. I'm just gonna whatever gives me inspiration. That's what I'm gonna use. So when you're working with a director and a director is coming at you with all of these, like, um, like, how do you talk about vibe? Like, how do you oh. talk about what, what, what sort of tones you want? Well, like what, what kind of words, um, would you want to hear versus like, oh, I want this to, to look like, um, this Helen Mirren movie. Like, right. you know, what do you want to hear when, when you're asking about like tones and stuff? So the good thing about it, like I did go to film school. And yeah, I did pick up on, um, you know, references and you know, Star Wars and like I picked up on everything. Like, I, yeah. I did, you know, the hits. Um, uh-huh. But one thing I realized, and this is what nobody ever wants to tell you, it's like I wasn't born with this. I got to do the research. So I got a mm-hmm. project, and like, there's a project that. Um, I have coming up. It's a, uh, it's about like a 14th century, um, like a historic piece, and yeah. I wasn't there. I wasn't. I've never shot it. No. Like you know, <laughs> what am I gonna do? I'm gonna you do mean research. you didn't travel in time? <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, no, I got to do the research, and that's one thing I feel like I'm good at is mm-hmm. doing the research, like immersing myself in it, and kind of like. You know, and I'm not afraid to say it because that's what it's there for. This is why we have all these devices and all these instruments to tap into something that we weren't around. And then now it's for me to take that, to mix it with like my little sauce and then give uh-huh. it to the director of production and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. God bless the internet. God bless the internet. <laughs> Um, okay, so we were talking about cinematographers. Um, also, famously in in the news um, this past year has been Halna Hutchins, and she's a Ukrainian American cinematographer. She was accidentally shot dead by Alec Baldwin. Horrible. Horrible. Um, you know, when I first learned about her death, I, as a you know person that's worked on sets as like a PA, um, and, and doing. Um, production, you know, I I immediately was like, okay, if I ever read anything with gun in it, I'm not working on a set like that. So what were you, has her tragic death had any impact on film sets that you've worked on? Um, You know, I'm I'm curious if in the industry, if there's been any changes as to how like action scenes are filmed in the week of her death. Yeah, um, a lot of changes, and I, it sucks that something this destructive has happened before changes happen. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with um, Slates for Sarah, um, the camera AC, who probably was just like 2016, 
they were filming down in, I think it was Georgia, and they were on mm-hmm. the um, railroad, and they didn't close down the tracks, and like, the train came by and killed her. Um, oh. It was, yeah, you, you probably remember, it was like a good like four or five years, probably like six years now back. Wow. Um, and when that happened, like a lot of security change, a lot of just like more like, you know, measures were put in place. And with yeah. um, Hilla Hudson, which was crazy about that, because then it just flashed in my head. I was like, damn, how many times that I've worked on, once again, music videos, whatever, uh-huh. where there is a budget and there's whatever, but there's no, nobody, we don't have a prop master. We just have yeah. gangsters with guns, you know what I mean? And these are probably real guns. Uh, and you know, and they're like, does this look cool? Does yeah. this look cool when I point at and your I'm face like, like this? I'm like, wow, wow. <laughs> and then even like I've done some short narratives where we couldn't get the gun, uh, the prop gun, blah blah blah. So we actually used a real gun. Uh, you know what I mean? And then you don't really think about it until after. Once that happened, that just like flashed across my eyes, and I was like. Yeah, this that is was all that church. Joke. All that church you went to as a child. Yeah, that was God protecting you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, it's so yeah, it's, yeah. But oh my God, I would say after that, people are more aware. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't done any like I've done like different scenes with, but they haven't been like at the level where it's been that much of a budget where you have like a prop master. Like literally, we just have somebody who's you know, handling it. But now I think everybody's kind of on the same page. And it's just like people are yeah. more like cautious and just to make sure like, hey, let everybody know this is a prop gun, blah, blah, blah. Like we have a lot and there's been a lot more um, safety production meetings yeah, to align everybody. So I would say there's there has been some um, changes and unfortunately we had to lose a fellow cinematographer. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, and I know um, shows like Mayor of Eastwood, they were saying how they use CGI. Like yeah. they, I mean, that, that show has a, a big budget, but like they're able to to not have guns at all, mm-hmm. even though they, they just pretend to have it and, and then like, you know, computerize like gunshots and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really horrible. Um, so let's go all the way back to the moment when you realized that you wanted to do cinematography because you had mentioned uh, chasing shadows again when you were an outside kid outside kid you you were outside kid you chase shadows Mm -hmm. you know now you realize that that it's you've always had a fondness for like shadows and light can you talk more about the importance of shadow and light in cinematography um and then like weird question like uh you know do you have you ever seen like in a dream um different camera angles or shadows and light like like you kind of take your work into your into mm-hmm. your dreams mm-hmm. uh so to start off i i just i don't know i guess once again it's based on being like that outside kid i just mm-hmm. remember being after school and then you know like when that age where you're just like like you might have friends but let's say like your friends like left, their parents picked them up and you're still there. So like, mm-hmm. you know, probably like third grade, second grade. I don't know. I just remember like my shadow. I don't know if this is, this is lonely or what. I don't know. But I just remember my shadow just kind of <laughs> like 
you know, bit like sometimes like I would be like, oh, why is the shadow so big? Like, why is it so long? Uh -huh. Why is it so like so so defined? Why is it so soft? And then later on in life, to be like, oh, like the reason that shadow was so long is because it was probably five o'clock and shadows are longer mm -hmm. at five o'clock because the sun is setting and it draws the shadows out. And then just to have kind of like the same thing is just like, why is this happening? And then to like with the movies and film, like what mm -hmm. is happening behind the scenes that is actually creating this? And then to learn that, oh, the sun is the biggest source of light and yeah. everything else is just like, just chopping it down like flags and stuff in front of it and all the shadows and that's why you have harsh shadows because the sun is like right on top and you know you know and it's just like it's like oh yeah i was actually like interested in that i didn't even know what that was all about you know yeah that's funny because like i always recognize it when a movie is in la because of the harsh sunlight yep yep yeah yep. um and i and uh even when when we shot my music video, we shot it over two days, mm -hmm. and it was because of the light. Because the way it hit my backyard, um, it was it it was better that we shot at the same time. It was like let's say it was like two o'clock. Mm -hmm. Like it couldn't be before or after. It had to be where the the light was like a little softer. Yep, yep. Because um, yep. it yeah, it, it just like it's all so well, important plus, and it's stuff that you don't necessarily think about. Yeah, 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 and. Um, and one of the, uh, the other question it was, you said, um, do you see it in your dreams? Oh, in my dreams. Um, like I wouldn't say I've actually seen like a shot, mm -hmm. but, or maybe like it all depends. Cause I'm like a, 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 a big dreamer, especially like, let's say if I have a job coming up and I've been like thinking mm -hmm. about it all day. And then I thinking about it right before I go to sleep. And then there has been times when it's like, oh, I could just do it like this. And then like, I'll wake up in the morning and be like, oh, that might work. Sometimes it doesn't work, you know? And sometimes yeah. it does. But I would say like, if there's not a job and I'm not like focused on one thing, there's more times where I get like feelings of, mm -hmm. Cause you know, like there's a lot of like feeling that you get from the sun setting or like the sun rising yeah. or twilight or, you know, like each of these time of days has certain feelings. Um, so there's been times where I've been sleeping, I got a certain feeling and then I would try to replicate that lighting through the feeling or I would try to replicate the yeah. feeling through the lighting. That makes sense. So will you say like, hey, director, I, I had this dream and I, I, I saw I saw this in my dream. Well, well you, you would say that. No, not really. Like, <laughs> or would you? <laughs> well, like, I would, you know. So you like, oh, I don't have that money. <laughs> well, the director's kind of like, oh, we have this, you know, the sequence where we can't figure it out. And I'm like thinking on uh -huh. it. Um, you know, once again, I'm not afraid to, it all depends on where we are in the project. If we're in pre-pro where we can, you know, spitball and throw stuff on the wall, pre-production. Yeah. And we can, uh -huh. you know, then it's like a lot more freedom to be like, hey, we can try this, we can try this. And then once again, like- Cause that's before you filmed anything. This is um, when you're still planning stuff. Yes, uh -huh. yes. Um, when we're still uh, in the planning 
And once again, like I said earlier, it's all about research and preparation. And I'm big on that because, you know, I'm not LeBron James. I'm not doing this every day. So when I'm doing it, yeah. I got to be great at it. So somebody hits me up with a job. I'm going to location. I'm scouting it, um, you know, yeah. with my light meter because I'm just trying to get every information I can to be the best that I can be on that day. Yeah. Let's talk more about that because, um, you know, the job of, of the DP can be isolating at times, maybe overwhelming. So there has to be a lot of prep involved. There has to be a lot of, because there is a lot of uh, demand for the cinematographer. So like, what is your prep like before, like when you're taking on a project? So there's the research, there's, you know, going the, there's the scouting with the light meter, mm -hmm. like what else? Um, so my thing is I just like to sit and chat with the director, like, cause mm -hmm. majority of the time is getting, understanding the director's language. Like, can we speak first and are we on the same page? And, you know, I've been yeah. blessed with having dope directors who I'm on the same page with. And then I've been, you know, had directors where I'm not on the same page with. And in a way, those jobs are more challenging and I want to say more rewarding. Like I might get better results on a job where I'm cool with, you know, easy to work with the director. But yeah, when you're working with somebody who, you know, just miscommunication, that makes you work on something else. So now I'm like developing mm -hmm. another skill. Um and yeah, like I just like to literally get inside the director's head um, yeah. to know what they are expecting, what they want, what their feels are. Um, I use a lot of tools. Um, there's what is this app called? Is it Pitch Deck? It's uh, it's like a bunch of so it has a a database of all the um, like still frames of every movie. Um, so you can okay. just type in like night street um you know night exterior um blue lighting and then it pulls up like like a portfolio of like let's say you know the movie moonlight and every other movie that yeah. has similar frames to that and then like mm -hmm. i literally like and you know i had to learn this like i i was at a stage where i was like oh i want to create all this new stuff blah blah, blah. and i'm like being a DP is not about creating what's new. You know what I mean? Like when you become Roger Deakin and you get the chance to shoot 1917 and you want to do a state, like amazing. But right now. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But right now, um, what I'm, I'm just trying to create like life, like what's natural and. To create a real moment. To create a real moment. Dang, I really wish I could, uh, I knew this name of this, uh, application off the top of my head um because it's a great resource like i said i'm all about resources oh i was so close it's shot deck i said pitch deck shot deck shot okay deck. yeah so if you pull that up crazy amazing you can type in they they have a pretty pretty deep um database of films yeah and don't think about it like anything you pulled up like it tells you the director it tells you like what the aspect ratio, with the format, with the frame, like this is just everything. This is the, one of the greatest resources for, I would say, a cinematographer, or at least. Okay, Art, like this is a really good tip. Very yeah. good tip. Um, so, so th this is part of your prep, and then mm -hmm. I've seen you do like on on your IG. I've seen you do um, like 
kind of crazy stunts for filming. So I, I saw you like on a moving flatbed truck. Oh. <laughs> um, you were talking about, you know, a, gu- a live gun in your face <laughs> filming. So like, uh, is that the what? Like, what are what are other kind of like wild stunts that you've had to do to get like a camera shot? Um, I had I would say like back in the day, like you know, we didn't have drones. We didn't have like you know these steady cams like when I first started. Yeah. So you know I've been on top of houses like people holding on and I'm like shooting over. Um, you know, thank God for um like the bungee cables and like the hiking uh-huh. uh rails because like that's locked me into a couple places before. Oh. But- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would say what I've noticed, like, kind of like, you know, like I said, these past two years, people were worried about their insurance. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I would say a lot of stuff it's has It's all been about a the budget. More... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I haven't had to do any, most of those stuff was stuff that I was creating for myself or, you know, for like smaller, uh, smaller projects but the bigger projects have been pretty pretty safe and they haven't asked me to like you know be off the ground to risk your life yeah i'm, I'm usually pretty grounded <laughs> so that's, what's that's your good. favorite camera favorite camera i would say probably one of my favorite cameras is probably my um, Mamiya medium format. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it's the Mamiya six four five or six four seven. It's a medium format film camera. Um, I have tons of cameras. Like I thought, you know, at one point this guy told him was like, "You're a camera. You, sh- you should always have cameras." And I was like, "Oh, thank you. Made me feel so good because I have way too many cameras already." So, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> like, um, but with the newer cameras. The newer cinema cameras, like we're at that spot where everything, you know, almost everything is 4K right now. So yeah, it looks digital. Good. Like everything is going to look good, or like it, it yeah. doesn't matter really technically what camera you shoot on. Like you have a great colorist, you have a great, you know, and there's ways to work around that. You have great lenses, you know. Um, but if we talk about cinema cameras, probably one of my favorite cinema cameras right now what looks the best obviously the you know alexa mini um i just did a documentary on the um canon c300 which was great because that has like autofocus and internal nds and it's just like a more um user-friendly for like a smaller crew but yeah i i see i'm a lover of cameras like i don't have a i just love cameras i love gadgets i love gears and i and to mess with a new camera is like a birthday it's like oh like you know so i love all cameras yeah yeah so is that like a a typical birthday gift for you is that you're getting some kind of gear like is your mom sending you something like a certificate to like yeah i wish (laughs) my mom is so like out of it she's like oh what are you doing again i'm like ah like you know i've been doing this for nine years but no, like usually like I kind of- You're treating I, yourself. Yeah, I, I probably get, and I don't do it on purpose, but 
mm-hmm. I get the itch to probably get a camera like once a year, probably. And mm-hmm. I haven't sold any of my cameras yet. Mm-hmm. Um, do they go? Do they do they become obsolete? Uh, the were newer you, digital ones to? do. Like the newer digital yeah. one. Like I still have my original five D, which is probably like fifteen years old now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's digital. The good thing about like the uh, original film cameras, those cameras have been in rotation since like the seventies. Like the camera yeah. that I was talking about, the Mia, that one's probably been around since the eighties. And the cool thing about it, like, it's probably went through so many different hands. Um, and, you know, I got that when I was in Tokyo. So that's another, like, pretty dope story about it. Like, so that's why it has just oh, so cool. much, like, meaning to it. Yeah. Each camera, I feel like, yeah, kind of has, I, like, a story. Yeah, because I, I know, like, um, I don't know if it was for one episode. There was the, that one Euphoria episode where it was, like, epic. And she's she's running away from her family. Yeah. And you think that, like, Zendaya is just going to get hit by a car. Like, mm. It was just a wild episode. And I think it was shot on film. And that mm. was a big deal. Because mm-hmm. it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. It's a lot cheaper to shoot digitally. Um, so is that is that a preference for for people like you for cinematographers to like shoot with film uh and then kind of the it's kind of oh well all right let's just do digital because it is cheaper and you know people thinking of about budgets so much (laughs) yeah um i feel like once again we have so many different mediums and it it all depends on what the project is asking for like Mm-hmm. If the project is asking for some film, then yeah, let's 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 do it. But I'm not the type of person who I'm just like, oh, I just want to do this just because I love it. Like it's like, what 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 is what is this asking for? And like you know, like Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan, like he's huge on with the Dark Knight, using mm-hmm. multiple formats like digital and uh, film, and you know, so people do it all the time. Um, and then that's when people think like doing digital is cheaper, but if you're shooting digital, like your iPhone camera, then you're probably racking up on so much space that you're going to end up paying the same anyways. The thing about film is like, you're like uh. one take, we got to get this digital. You're like, we can get this in 20 takes, you know? So yeah. it's a different yeah. type of uh, workflow and different type of you know, just just how you get at it. And that's why I do have my film cameras because every shot, it makes it more feel like every shot counts. Versus like your iPhone, mm-hmm. you could take a camera burst and take like 20 shots and be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I want to play a quick game for you with you. But like the uh, my last question is like when it comes to movie, TV history, um, like from research, from from film school, is there a gorgeous cinematic moment that is a personal favorite that you've tried to emulate yourself like on a, on a project? You know, it's real basic shot, but it's just that whole sequence of um, Malcolm X. Um, oh, Spike Lee, Ernest Spike Dickerson. Lee, okay. Ernest Dickerson, where he's... Okay. The last scene where Beautiful he's like movie. writing... Uh-huh. Yeah, where he's writing pretty much to his death and he's yes. just like you know just like ghost floating and then he gets out the car and the lady stops him and is like she says like 
are you okay? Like, it's a beautiful day or something like that. And he's just like, yeah. And then that's when they, he gets on the dolly, the double dolly, and then they do the dolly shot, the Spike Lee dolly shot of him just like floating into the the church. And it's just that, that mm-hmm. scene right there would always like, I feel like that's when I was like, wow, like, this is what a cinematographer and a director and a, a movie can do is create timeless images like this. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was your years long relationship. Yeah. That project was years long to make. And so the, the behind was... the scenes of that project is crazy too. Yeah. If you ever heard yeah. like, yeah, he got money from Oprah. Um, yes. Bill Cosby, um, MJ, and just to know that like that's a black movie that black people actually funded and it was like black the whole way through and you can tell, you know, because Warner Brothers dropped it and stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, for years, for years, he wanted to make this movie, mm-hmm. wasn't happening. A lot of starts and stops. But then, yeah, he. This was like before crowdfunding, and yeah, he yeah, yeah. Made, crowdfunding uh, that boy. Yeah, well, yeah, because well, well. I think he made like like two or three movies in in between, like trying to raise money mm-hmm, from mm-hmm, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty incredible. And mm-hmm. then, and working with Ernest Dickerson along the way, and yeah. so it's like he he always had that vision. So you were talking about like that, um, you know, the conversations that you have with the director, um, in order to understand their language. Like they 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 had the they had this this bond, and then you can you can see it in the mm-hmm. in the movie. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's really incredible. It translates totally. Yeah. So okay, this is amazing. I want to play a very dumb game with you, and it's not even like well thought out. Okay. Are you game? <laughs> I'm game. I'm always game. <laughs> Okay, so Tucker Carlson, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard. Tucker Carlson, but I know he's the being, name. yeah, a Fox host. Yes, just, I know you're talking about. Yes, asshole, asswipe. Yeah. He um, he's being roasted online after telling men to undergo testicle tanning in order to increase their testosterone in a new documentary <laughs> about masculinity. And so wow. I want to ask you a couple of true false questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in the episode entitled because it's like it's a whole series so like in in one of the episodes entitled the end of men it begins with and this is this is the first question the episode begins with a familiar make america great again style montage centering on a john f kennedy speech in which he extols the virtue of strength and exercise and berates America's soft, chubby, fat-looking children. Is that true or false? I'm gonna say that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's sad, but I. You did it. Not back then. What is this? Like the fifties? I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, but this is now. Well, yeah, the uh, John F. Kennedy speech. Well, um, he he referenced it, but like, yeah, he's talking about men oh, now. But he, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> so next question. A naked man is captured in the episode. A naked man is captured standing with his arms outstretched while his genitals are being charged at a Tesla charging station. <laughs> I'm just going to say true just because I see how this is going. <laughs> Even though I That's don't actually believe false. it. Oh, okay. Because I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, I, I don't so, believe it, but <laughs> now nah, anything is so, possible. So, it looks it kind of does look like a tesla uh charging machine like in the in the trailer but this fitness professional named andrew like and professional in quotes uh because who knows who knows about these man's uh credentials so andrew mcgovern was interviewed um by tucker and he shed some light on testicle tanning and he was talking about like the red therapy machine um so yeah, it's it it does look like a Tesla charging station kind of, but like it's not. But it's a, it's an actual like thing. What is um, it a okay. thing? Y- yeah, it's kind of like it looks like a wow. rectangular um it's almost like if you would imagine like a like a a treadmill, like say say a treadmill with like the stand, but there's no bar mm. where you you know you hold on to and then there's no like uh, track that you run on it's just this long strip mm. and so you stand in front of it and then the machine admits light on your junk and and you, you get like all these like microwaves yeah. on your oh, yeah you're know. you're basic yeah you're microwaving yourself yeah. so um anyway the the um true or false andrew mcgovern the the "Quote unquote fitness professional," he says that testicle tanning or bro, brometh, bromeopathy, brome, like aromatherapy, but bro, <laughs> bromeopathy has massive amounts of benefits. True or false? False. Well, they say he says that's true. true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next question. This is really, very weird. This is a very weird test. Okay. So true or false? Too much exposure to sunlight, particularly to sensitive areas like skin around your precious ball sack, can create sunburn, ex- excess radiation, inflammation, and damage. True. True. Men- Men's Health Magazine said that. Thank you, Men's <laughs> Health. Um, true, true or false, there's absolutely no controlled study that proves that uh, this machine can raise testosterone levels in men. I'm not a scientist, but I'm going to say true. True. A urologist, yes. Urologist Mark Goldstein was just like, uh, this is not uh, this is based in reality. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, true or false, Tucker, Carls- Tucker Carlson and good pal Kid Rock, who visited the show after McGovern's appearance, didn't look like he'd be jumping on the trend anytime soon. True. Yeah, true. He was uh, very skeptical of the whole thing, uh, and uh, which is uh, really crazy that Kid Rock is the voice of reason right. um, in this in this moment. So yeah, so that that's the quiz. I don't that know who wins bananas. or loses. I gotta go look that up now. Like I'm like yes, testicle yeah, heading machine yeah. Yeah, don't do that at home to become flesh power. Right, flesh power, nah, you, you do that through cinematography. You don't right. do that through through panning. Don't yeah. do it. <laughs> I don't think there will be any more fledged powers after that either. So, <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, you'll be on set and be like, what's that glow? Right, 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 right. Yeah. 
So, so Fletch, what's making you happy these days? What's making me happy? Um, just having, like, I'm in a blessed place where I don't have to take every job, especially if I don't want it. I can kind of nice. pick and choose, and uh -huh. um, you know, I'm happy that I I have the time to pick and choose. Um, and then like project I just did, I can't speak on it yet. Yeah. But a project I just did kind of got into a pretty big festival. So congrats. Thank you. That's coming That's awesome. soon. Yes. I wish a I could movie? talk about it. I'm sorry. Can you say if it's a short movie or um, a movie? it's a short doc, short documentary. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that should be coming out soon. And I should be able to talk about it really, really soon. And I can't wait, you know, That's awesome. But yeah. yeah, other than that, I'm just like, you know, I'm happy right now. And I know some people like we're always looking at the grass is green on the other side. But sometimes when you're happy, I just, you know, I'm, I'm learning to be present when I'm happy. And yes. that makes me happy. Say, just say, savor, savor every moment. Savor it. Savor it. Because it's, it's not going to last long, you know? Like, tomorrow something happen and all this happiness that, you know? So while it's here, enjoy it. Soak it up. Drink it up. Yeah. yeah. There's um, it, 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 most cheesiest book. You are a badass. Um, the, there's a really good quote. Um, there is fun in the moment. There's fun in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much, Fletch. It was great thank talking you, thank to you. you. For sure. For sure. And it's been a blast. Yes. Yes. So we'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye.